SequelCast 2 and Friends is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, go to greenlitpodcast.com. Everybody across the land, here's a special from SequelCast, though I don't know what it's gonna be about. Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast Special, a show about um, topics at large. This time around, we're doing a bit that. Well, actually, what are we doing, Thrasher? Well, I mean, we we discussed what the the what the premise of this episode would be. So why don't you just uh, tell the audience? Okay, so um, thanks for that handoff. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's inspired a bit by the old uh... wrong. Oh boy, what we are doing today, based on the McLaughlin Group, we are going to be doing rapid fire questions at each other. That's right. Rapid fire questions, kind of quick hits and uh, kind of a shorter episode, but that's how things go. So, And that's for everybody who was a fan of the McLaughlin Group or who was a fan of Dana Carvey's McLaughlin Group sketches from SNL. That's right. I'm talking to both of you. Yes. So um, with that in mind, begin. All right. So uh, you can give another film with a troubled production history and a replaced director, the Snyder Cut treatment. What film is it? Hmm. Troubled film? I I guess off the top of my head, what I would like to see is... um, Maybe, you know, it's not a great movie, but the original kind of vision of um the dungeons and dragons live action movie from like 2000 or 2001 yeah i could go for that why well you know it was always meant to be kind of a trilogy more fleshed out there's a lot of there's deleted scenes where like the special effects were not uh finished and so they couldn't really put them in the film that made the story make a bit more sense and i, I think you know if through this science fiction uh premise you could be able to just kind of see how that story would have ended or where it would have gone. The kind of, you would film all this additional stuff to kind of wrap stuff up. And I don't think you would need three movies to do it in, but with the green screen and special effects, the way things are now, I think you could finish kind of what they wanted to do. Um, I, I, I think you're onto something. And I may have mentioned this before, but when that movie came out, I was reading a lot of like film magazines and that movie was very hyped in, in, in like the film press and any interview with one of the actors, they all described a completely different movie. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, I mean this it was made by new lane cinema right before Lord of the Rings. So yeah. a much lower budget of course, but yeah. And, and now they're trying to do a new one with um, the Chris uh, Pine and stuff so we'll see how that goes all right my question to you is let's say when uh, when you feel it's safe to go 
to a movie theater, what's the first movie you're going to see? Do you, are you going to see something old? Are you going to see something new? Is there something that you're, you really are itching to see on the big screen? You know, I, I honestly don't know because uh, I've had my first round of vaccines. I'll be getting the second round of the vaccine very soon. Uh, but, like, when I can go out and see a movie, I honestly don't know what's going to be available. That being said, if I had my choice, it probably would be Dune. Uh, it's mm. a, That's a story I have a lot of history with. That's... Adaptations I have a lot of history with. Uh, I'm I'm in the right headspace that I would love to give that a shot. And I think if you're going to see a movie based on Dune, you might as well see it on the biggest screen you can find. That and I really want to see Jason Momoa. I just find him delightful in everything I see him in. So, yeah, I want to see him as Duncan Idaho on the big screen. Yeah, and he's he's a clean shaven as well, which we, we haven't seen. And most of the time he has that kind of... Uh, kind of scraggly facial hair and then his different films. So intense beard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'll be pretty good. All right. So the new the current new age of 3D, I honestly think that it's passing. So what do you think the next gimmick is going to be in blockbuster filmmaking? Right. So you mentioned there's 3D after that I would say it's at most sound, which is the uh speakers that are in the ceiling. Um, although they're often used quite limited in the sound mix. Um, I think as part of coming, I hate tying everything to the, this uh, COVID-19 pandemic stuff, but I, I do think, you know, there'll be fewer theaters that survived it and have to think a way to reinvent themselves. I, I think we'll see more of a push of, of um, I call them kind of gourmet theaters, but kind of where you have more, uh, intimate rooms, like really nice couches and with, with a, a wine list and more upscale food. Um, and I think, you know, uh, kind of to have kind of like a deluxe date night sort of experience is kind of what I see as kind of the gimmick. I think theaters, you'll see some theaters be smaller and uh, charge more prices for this kind of stuff, of course. Um, as opposed to big theaters where they cram everyone in, in a room right ass to ass. Hmm. So not quite a gimmick, but sort of. Um, all right. So for you, let's see. Um, okay. So let's say you're getting ready for bed. You're not quite tired and uh, you want to watch TV or something. Do you have uh prefer watching stuff on a tv in the bedroom or do you watch on your phone or on a tablet what's your preferred uh, thing if you want to watch something to fall asleep to so i i used to go into my go into my study slash work room and put on like an old cartoon from the 80s and not a good one that you remember either mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah. but that has changed over the past uh, over the past few months. Uh, we had temporarily put a TV in our bedroom. We ended up deciding to leave it there. So now every night before bed, uh, we get in bed, we cuddle, and we watch an episode of The Muppet Show. Oh yeah, Disney Plus has all that stuff on there. It's, so it's it's been really nice, and it's been it's been a fun nostalgia trip uh, going through those episodes in order from the beginning. Right. I, um, 
Yeah, and I bet the musical guest stuff. It's it's a they have some pretty quirky guests on there too. I mean, it was made in England, so. Oh yeah, I mean, like they they have they have people you you they they have big names that are like still kind of in show business today. They have people who are now dead. Uh, they have people you wouldn't expect. Like I was. I I was a bit charmed by the uh, the oh you know what it is uh, and this this actually saw uh, the other the other night uh, the Lou Rawls I did I did not know he ever did the Muppet Show but he is amazing yeah there you go and it was kind of in the in the dying days of the Variety Show Act and part of what makes the Muppet Show so charming is uh, they kind of know their show and their jokes kind of suck like they're always kind of sweating it. Um, and it's yeah, it was kind of meta ahead of its time, all sorts of things. You know, the other thing I really like is like when they have a musical guest. There, there are especially in the second season when they have a musical guest, they'll just do a whole segment with the musical guest will sing, backed by the Electric Mayhem, and it's really well done. And they hmm. shoot it like it's a real band. I bet, I bet, yeah, I have to have to check those out. All right, so. Might as well get my other COVID adjacent question out of the way. So, theaters that have closed and gone out of business due to the pandemic, what's going to happen to them in the post pandemic recovery? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because overall, I mean, the whole retail space and stores have just been eating it early. Um, but a movie theater, it's enough of a space. It's enough of a. Yeah, that's a great question. I have no idea. Maybe you would. I, I I do part of me thinks people will want to have you know maybe, maybe you'll see them turn into more music venues or something I think people will, will uh, once everyone uh, goes out there again in in public um, they'll want to do thing, big things in groups and kind of overdo it I think um, I don't think it'll be like a 1920s thing exactly but it might be a, a smaller version of that where People just gonna go nuts. So I think maybe uh, you'll see maybe more music venues happen. Maybe that'll be a bigger thing. That's just my thought. I don't. Um, as someone that doesn't really like concerts, live that, podcasting theaters. Well, <laughs> maybe if you're Kevin Smith or something. I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> could be, could be. Um, great. So one thing that comes to so it's my turn for a question now. <laughs> Okay, so like like Fox had you know big big success with their redone you know modern uh, trilogy of Planet of the Apes and and whatnot. If you could take any kind of old series of movies and kind of do like a a bigger budget um, trilogy version of it, what would it be? It wouldn't have to be like a, a remake necessarily. It could be something else set in that universe. Oh, you know. Uh... So going going back into it, I I would love to see a uh, a like a, a a modern comedy remake of the old series of Topper films. Mm. Have you ever heard of these? I've heard of them. I never seen them. I don't think. Yeah. So so like so like short version in the first in the first film, there's a uh, there's a young reporter who just got married named Topper. He and his wife are driving to their honeymoon, uh, driving the opposite way down the road. Uh, is a car being driven by two alcoholic married millionaires 
who run off the road, crash, and die horribly. But Topper and his wife see the crash, so they pull over, and Topper goes down to see if he can save them. Well, the couple's completely dead, but because he found their bodies, they become ghosts that only he can see and hear. And because they died drunk, they're still drunk as ghosts. And they basically, oh, Topper's such a sweet boy. They just decide to follow him around and help him and are like his weird, drunk, imaginary fairy godparents. Um, and then every movie is like Topper solving a mystery while investigating a story assisted by these drunk ghosts. And like, I want that remade for today. Like, I could totally see Kristen Wiig as one of the ghosts, maybe like Paul F. Tompkins as the other ghost. They can both play great aristocratic drunks. Um, but just really, really, really amp up the comedy uh, you know, and, and, you know, if you want, if you wanted to get weird, have the ghosts be the same ghosts from like the 1930s, which I believe is when the film series began and just have them still haunting like Topper's grandson or great grandson or something like that. Hmm. I just, mm -hmm. I just think that would be great. And, you know, you know, like have fun with digital special effects. We can do ghosts so much better now, but don't go nuts with them. Just make walking through a wall look really good. I see, but they wouldn't necessarily have a ghostly sheen, or would they? Maybe they would be, like, transparent, but, like, mm -hmm. like, well, I wouldn't overdo it. They would just be, like, mildly transparent. There'd be no shimmers. There'd be no diaphanous waving. They'd be very, they'd be very down-to-earth ghosts. I see. All right, so what live-action film do you think should have been animated and vice versa? Okay, um... Hmm. I've been thinking about this since we have a new one coming out this year, but I, I almost think the Matrix should have been animated. Well, I mean, we got a peek at that with the Animatrix. You got a peek with the Animatrix, but it, it gets to a point you're doing so much with the live action people on screen that animation might work better. It, it would look less silly than some of the, the stuff with live action did, especially in the, um, was it Matrix Reloaded, where mm. he. Uh, uh, um, Neo fights against a hundred Agent Smiths. It's kind of a rough-looking sequence. Um, but otherwise, yeah, another way around. Hmm. Animated thing would be better live action. That's the tricky part. That is a tricky one. I think you could do. Um, hmm. What is it? I'm thinking of the name of it. You know, despite I, it would involve some special effects and so forth. But I think you could do uh, the um, Disney uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame as a live-action musical. It's been done as a, a stage show in Germany. It had a concept album in the U.S. Um, I think that one it's the the stage version is a bit more serious but i think you could do that pretty um more easily as live action than something like aladdin which they've already done you know i could totally see that being like the next uh the next live musical theater performance on network television once those resume sure yeah yeah i've heard about them wanting to do it with josh gad or someone like that or paul giamatti <laughs> he is uh 
Paul as the Hunchback, or as one of the Gargoyles? Oh, no, as, as the Hunchback. I mean, in, in the stage show, they do have the Gargoyles, but they don't have that comedy number. And they're, they're, um, they're less of a focus. Um, so, another question. Hmm. Is that the question? What is the next question? No, no, no. I it's just... Uh, okay, so... Hi, I'm Steve. And I'm JP, and we host a little podcast called Whatever, Whatever Nerd, Nerd, a bi-weekly nerd culture podcast where we talk about subjects such as games, comics, movies, voice acting, and did I mention games? You did. Join us every other Tuesday at whatevernerd.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Stu. Hi, Luke. Do you fancy doing a podcast covering every segment of every episode of the beloved 90s cartoon Animaniacs? No, I hate Animaniacs. Join me, Luke, the Warner lover, and him, Stu, the Warner resistor, for Animani Chat, covering every segment of every episode of the hit 90s cartoon Animaniacs, as well as its many spin-offs, including comics, video games, and the movie, not to mention the recent reboot. It's gonna be explainy to the max. Oh... So many documentaries have been kind of made into like miniseries now or several episodes. Do you think that's a better way to, to really dig deep into a subject as opposed to having one feature length film on a topic? Generally speaking, I prefer having, unless it's a huge topic, I prefer it to just be like one sort of feature length documentary. Um, I, I, I think when you when you break it up into episodes, it can lead to some pacing problems, especially on streaming services. There's that that pressure to make every ending a cliffhanger to propel you into the next installment. But that that often means that information has to be parsed out in a way that that isn't the best suited to informing the viewer. Because I think I I think that's especially with the documentary the emphasis really should be on imparting information to the viewer. If if you're trying to make things more dramatic in a way that interfere with imparting that information, it, it can really hurt the medium. And then also, even if there's a subject that maybe needs a few hours, that needs to be longer than feature length and needs a few hours, maybe three episodes is all it needs. It doesn't really need six or eight. I feel like things can also drag on a bit a bit too long especially when inevitably there's like an extra episode or an extra super short series where like and then we followed up on everything after the release and right i mean especially got that extra episode of the tiger king they did hosted by joe McHale, where it's just a, a bunch of zoom calls Oh, yeah. <laughs> really kind of painful or some of these ones are stretched out where you don't know um where it feels like nothing happens in the episode <laughs> yeah yeah so what showbiz biopic must be made oh there's been so many good ones <clears throat> and i've already been done a lot of really good ones about musicians in particular but showbiz hmm it would be, God, there's just so much good ones out there. I, I would like to see one about, um, maybe about the friendship between the two British actors who have been dead for a bit now. Was um, it Peter O'Toole and Alec Guinness? No, no, um, I was going to say uh, Christopher Lee. Oh. And 
Peter Cushing. Uh, Peter Cushing, thank you. Oh. Because they did a lot of movies together, but they also would uh, get together uh, after doing a shoot and watch uh, old Looney Tune commercials. Um, if you look up on YouTube some segments of This Is Your Life or some of the British talk shows, um, Christopher Lee does his Looney Tunes impersonations. Oh, I which, gotta find that. Which, which sound quite odd, but it's... Um, what is up, Doctor? Yeah, yeah. It's, I thought I saw a putty cat. Yeah, it's, meep, it, meep. Right, it's... I don't know, I think there's a friendship between the two of them, and you could maybe do something about, like, Hammer Films kind of... You know, becoming really popular and then kind of doing these like weird um, kind of cheapy sequels and uh, kind of just focus on that period. I don't think you'd want to do the whole life. And whenever you do that, it always feels rushed and, and kind of cheesy. Uh, Looking look at it back on it, you could do a movie about Christopher Lee's whole life. Like it's mm. that that man lived a rich, full life. And I don't know. Have you have you heard that story of him on the set of Lord of the Rings? Yes. Where like it's, oh, yeah, it was like you know oh uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Jackson, that is not the sound a man makes when you stab him through the chest. Oh, uh, what sound does he make then, mate? He makes no sound. There's an agonizing ra- like like he just he vividly describes how a person sounds when they've been stabbed through the chest. Because he stabbed someone in the chest in World War II. He was a Nazi hunter in World War II. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, there was also, I don't remember if, if it was Lord of the Rings, but like he had gone to like film a movie or something in like Turkey or the Ukraine or something. And like wherever they filmed it, he was recognized as a local hero and like lived like a prince for the duration of the shoot. Oh, interesting. So because he had like he... played a part in like the liberation of 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 that place of that village is really I cool see. stuff. How about that? Yeah. Um. So you were mentioning the '80s cartoons earlier. Let's yeah. let's say uh, you know they've been bringing Transformers as a movie. They did Gem uh, as a movie, although I don't think many people saw it. If you could bring one '80s cartoon as a live action movie with all the trimmings and special effects, what would it be? Oh, you see, you said live action, and I already had I an answer that would in, that would involve animation. Now I'm going to have to change that. Um, okay. Uh, so, so in in all honesty, and I think there was an attempt to do this a few years ago, back when there was when that attempt was made to do like a Hasbro expanded universe, but I involving Transformers, GI Joe, and a few other things. I think that dissolved. I would love to see. Uh, to see mask uh mm. the mobile mobile armored strike command and and the reason i want to do i think i think you could turn that into a really fun family comedic action franchise kind of in the same vein as as jumanji because the whole premise is there's this guy who invented this like vehicle technology this technology that essentially lets one vehicle transform into another so he and his friends who are all sort of experts at piloting a particular kind of vehicle they each have a vehicle that can transform and their and his antagonist is a guy who stole his technology named Miles Mayhem who you know runs like a terrorist organization that also uses these transforming vehicles, but like all the vehicles transform in a really fun way. Like the 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 main guy, his his whole deal is he has a custom DeLorean 
that can fly, but it flies by like the doors open and extend into wings. Uh, and they all wear these masks that let them interface with their vehicles and control the transformations. But each mask also has a special other power, like X-ray vision, or it can shoot an ice laser or, or something like that. So you get sort of a superhero angle. The other thing that's cool is it's kind of front-loaded with diversity because the, the mask group, like everyone is from a different country or a different ethnicity. There's a black guy, there's a Spanish, there's a Hispanic guy, there is an a, uh, there's an Asian guy. Lots of guys actually. I think most of the women are on the villains team, but I think you could you could change that. But like it would just be fun to take like the fast driving car action from Fast to the Furious, add the transforming vehicles, give the characters a lot of personality, give them like a fun globe-trotting mission, but but keep the violence kind of like be more action than violence, keep things kind of light and silly in that sort of Jumanji area and have them have like a goofy, like globe trotting adventure, but also keep the 1980s designs for the vehicles because like that, that, cause that's the thing is like the use of the DeLorean in back to the future is kind of ironic because it was already a futuristic car that by the time the movie was being made was already sort of a joke um, but now it's iconic and beautiful. And like, I would just like love the idea. I would love the idea of like, you know, people see this red flying DeLorean, like, holy shit, it's a red flying DeLorean. Have everybody be amazed by it. But then also have, holy shit, it's, well, because they wouldn't say holy shit, it's a family movie, but oh my gosh, look, it's the DeLorean from Back to the Future. And he keeps like, no, no, this isn't the DeLorean from Back to the Future. This is the DeLorean from Mask. Different flying DeLorean. Right, and it has such a really good theme song too. I bet you get a good cover of it. Oh someone. yeah, the fil- the theme song rocks, and the opening animation must be seen. Yeah, look up the opening animation for Mask Mobile Armored Strike Command. Uh, then also, if you're feeling a bit randy, there is a Mask parody from Robot Chicken, where the because the part that's another thing about Mask that, that that gives it some pathos that I would want to keep in in if I was to do a live action adaptation is that the main guy, he's a widow. His wife is dead. Uh, and, and they make that clear. And he, and he has a kid, so he's, he's a single father. He has to, you know, that's 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 where he, he works. There's a robot chicken sketch where he starts dating, where he starts dating a woman uh, and has a whole relationship and gets married. You need to watch this sketch. It's so, okay. it's, it's so bizarre and goes to such a weird place. Uh, so, yes. That would that's my answer. <laughs> so all right, uh, and why don't you end it on the last question? Yeah. So my last question: What film from your childhood that you've never seen since do you want to revisit? Hmm. I mean, so I, I lived overseas for a bit when I was a kid, and I guess the one that comes to mind is one I, that I saw in the theater. It's a French film. Um, I. I don't know if it was dubbed in English or had subtitles, but I think it was just called Bear. Bear or or the Bear? I think I might know what you're talking about. Might be the Bear. I mean, it's just about this this girl that wanders around and finds a bear. Uh, it's kind of like a, just uh, a child wandering around in nature with this very pretty photography. Um, I think it was just called the Bear. Come to think of it, you know what I'm talking. Does that sound familiar? Or, or... Uh, for, from 1988. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, yeah, it looks like it was like a French Canadian. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've seen it, but I I I know this. I I'm just actually looking at the the information for the film right now. Yeah, I, I'd watch that one again. I don't know if it would. I remember it being sort of strange, but maybe Did the you first like time it as a kid. Um, not really, but that's why I'd rather see it now. I might like it more, might like it less. It was kind of. Uh, elegiac a bit slow moving kind of a strange i mean it was cute but uh, because it was the whole french nature of it all um i'd want to give it a second shot i just have very very vague memories of seeing it oh okay so oh you know so the bear in the 1988 film the bear directed by jean-jacques anod uh that's Bart the bear. He's an acting bear. This bear has also played the bear in Clan of the Cave Bear. He's ah, the bear yeah. in Benji the Hunted, which, as I recall, Ebert liked. He's he's the bald bear in The Great Outdoors. Okay. Oh, wow. Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, uh, On Deadly Ground, Legends of the Fall. He's the bear in 12 Monkeys. Hmm. Oh, and his final film, uh, he's the bear in Meet the Deedles. The movie that killed <laughs> Disney's live action or live action studio division at the time. Crazy. He was yeah. a presenter in the 1998 Academy Awards. Died in 2000. Hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, so that's the one I'd see. It's not one I have fond memories of necessarily, but I think I might like it more now than I did as a kid. Um. Not sure why that one jumped out in particular, but that's cool. It, it introduced me to a new film. I might check that out on my own. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So I mean, I thought this was fun doing questions, kind of more low key special episode. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at matwbt. You can follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor. And uh, be sure to, um, you know, uh, leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, and you can get episodes from SequelCast Two dot com. So. For a sequel cast special, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Saying. Wrong! You all had special K with banana. And they start asking questions that are always the same. Hey, what's Michael J. Fox like? He's nice. What's Christopher Lloyd like? Kind of quiet. What's Crispin Glover like? Unusual. Stop asking me the question.